Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Community Funded Podcast, where we bring you inside the conversation with top thought leaders and on the ground with the people who are pioneering 21st century fundraising. Be sure to visit communityfunded.com for more great podcasts and best practices, and to join us in our quest of connecting, supporting, and empowering humanity for good. I'm your host, Ryan Stober, social fundraising guru and co-founder of Community Funded. Our guests today are Aaron Martinovich and Mike DeGugliamo, the director and associate director of the annual fund for Babson College. They're talking with us about their very successful 2017 Brian Barefoot Athletics Challenge, a four-day giving competition between Babson's 22 varsity sports teams. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I just wanted to start off. I know you guys did not pick just one date because you had that ongoing um, challenge, but did you guys um, have anything surrounding that? Was there a reason that you picked that period of time? Yeah, actually, um, we picked March. Well, we this was the fourth year of our March Madness Challenge. Um, in the past, the, the first three years of it, we did a 31-day challenge. Um, we used crowdfunding only one year to help promote it um, prior to this. Um, so in partnership with our campus partners over in athletics after last year, um, and in all candor, our experience last year was not a great one with March Madness. So we knew that we wanted to retool the program. So um, we, number one, decided to use community funded as the platform because it gave us the functionality. But we also work with our campus partners to say, what's the most effective way for us to get the most money and the most donors possible? And they said, make it shorter. (laughs) So we decided to um, work with the coaches, look at the schedules. Um, During March, obviously, um, there's the basketball championships. We also know that our teams go on spring break. So we decided to use the last four days of the month that would allow us to wrap up into April and all of our coaches would just be back from spring break. Awesome. And uh, the time frame that you guys did pick, it sounds like you guys shortened it up a little bit. Um, Was there a reason that you picked like that time frame to run it in? I know it's a little bit shorter, but did you guys do any conversation around like how long specifically it should be this year? We, we, we knew that we only wanted about three or four days. We wanted it to be super tight. Um, we had been watching what some other institutions have been doing with 48-hour challenges, 72-hour um, challenges. So we felt as though four days would give us enough time to reach out um, without really tasking or overtasking our coaches and our alums. Yeah, and I, just to add to that, you know, historically we had seen the majority of the gifts for this promotion coming in over the last few days, even when it was a month-long competition. Mm-hmm. So we thought, you know, we didn't want to go too short. We were actually kind of nervous when we were going for a month-long <laughs> to four days, like especially throughout the entire month of March when we started to see kind of our participation numbers converge a little bit more yeah. than we would have liked. But um, it ended up working out for the best. So It did, although it was, like Mike said, very nerve-wracking. I was having nightmares all month that this wasn't going to work for us. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like, um, so you guys have done this in the past. Was it just once that you did it before? No, this was the fourth year of the March Madness Challenge. So the first year that we did it in 2013, um, we had hoped that we could, I set a goal of 600 donors um, for the full month-long challenge. Uh, the woman who was running it at the time thought I was crazy, but we actually got to almost 900 donors the first month, first month-long challenge. Um, the wow. second and third year that we did it, we had a $10,000 pool of challenge money, so we started to uh, reinvigorate the program. And what we saw happening, especially last year, is that we there was a, a huge competition between the teams to win the challenge money last year, and we had a lot of shenanigans happening. We had a lot of fake gifts. We had a lot of $1 gifts. We had a lot of people who would go in and make $30 worth of gifts in single $1 transactions to try to help their team win. And so while we had over 2,000 donors last year, 900 of them were a single dollar. And mm. 900 of them were not alumni. So that's why the four days, that's why the end of March, and that's why we decided to really focus this on alumni and uh, parents only. 
And we raised $40,000 more this year than we did last year, even though we had half the donors. Wow, that is so awesome. We also repurposed the match this year. Yep. So in the past, this was a participation-based um, challenge where the, the sports program that had the most donors would win um, $5,000, $5, $3,000, $2,000 for mm -hmm. second, third. We repurposed it so that we were matching dollar for dollar first-time donors to Babson with the hope that, that it would get people off the sideline and make a first gift. And we were worried that we weren't going mm -hmm. to exhaust all the money because that was kind of a, you know, it's always a tough group, but we did, we were able to, you know, to raise more than $10,000 in yep. new, new first-time gifts. So that was a success as well. Yep. That's awesome. Do you guys think in the future, um, looking forward, that it's something where you're going to raise the gift amount or just stick with that? Or do you guys have any goals around donors like if you were gonna move forward what would be your next biggest challenge I guess more donors yeah. <laughs> one of the things that we've discussed with uh, the the challenger uh, this is called the Brian Barefoot Athletics Challenge now and it has been for some years um, Brian Barefoot is a former president of Babson and he uh, really believes passionately about participation so um, even though we were able to triple the average gift through March Madness, really his, his feedback at the end was you need to figure out how to get more donors in the door during that time period. So um, one of the things that we're talking about doing for next year is in addition to Brian's challenge pool, we want to work with the coaches to actually inspire um, a small challenge per team so that um, we'll have 18 mini challenges among the, the sports as well. That is awesome. And I, you know, I'm curious because you guys have done this, um, you know, this being your fourth year and we have a lot of people that are maybe on their second, but we don't have a lot of long time, um, I guess, users for those kinds of giving day challenges. So I'm curious over time, you know, um, when you started, when did you guys start kind of planning for this, having done it before? This one, December. Yeah, I think it was either November or December, mm -hmm. and Erin did a lion's share of the work, but she formed a steering committee among coaches in our athletics department mm -hmm. to, I think it was a team of five. It was. Uh, and they, plus us. Plus us. And they, um, we basically put together the structure of um, the competition, got their feedback on what would be the most effective way of use, using the matching funds, um, how long it should be you know mm -hmm. we, we it was really getting their buy-in was important mm -hmm. so we started i want to say in like late november early december yeah. and then um really ramped things up after the first of the year yeah and come january um so that that group of steering committee of coaches um included the athletic director and um we used that to get buy-in because there were some it's not always easy in this particular forum to get coaches to buy into fundraising the way we need them to especially during the time period we did um, so once we got the buy-in and we agreed to the structure, I actually met individually with all 18 head coaches and sat down and went through alumni and parent lists with them to get a sense of who we should be looking at for potential volunteers. They helped us recruit champions for each of their sports. And so um, once we got into the actual execution of the day, we had about 40 alums who were helping to champion the experience as well as all the coaches and the athletic department tweeting and posting on social media and, and Facebook. So it was it was a huge team effort. Definitely. And in addition to that, another key piece of this in terms of messaging was that Aaron was able to um, identify funding needs um, that mm. each program had, and that made the messaging during the campaign match that much more impactful. So you know, our volleyball coach could say, we need new video equipment and mm -hmm. say a gift of this amount would be able mm -hmm. to do that. Or, you know, another program could say, we're looking to take a, t a team trip to Florida. Mm -hmm. How much would that cost? You know, a gift of this amount would pay for a student's trip. So it really made the, the, the ask more tangible. And I think that was that much more impactful um, during the campaign. That's awesome. Yeah, it sounds like you guys got a lot of people involved, and I really love the tactics that you guys used to sort of create that buy-in through not only uh, allowing them to participate in the planning process, but kind of where the gifts would go. Um, you know, looking forward, uh, is that something that you guys uh, plan to, like, continue doing, or is there are there any things that, that you want to do to ramp that up a little bit more? 
Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things we talked about during the campaign as a way to kind of keep interest and build upon for next year was maybe as part of our promotion for next year, show the impact of the gifts that came in this year to Mm -hmm. alumni. So people that gave to, you know, the baseball program, we could have the baseball coach say, we were able to do X, Y, and Z Mm -hmm. with the funds that you donated last year. So that's one area that we're looking to do that. Um, And in terms of planning, I think we're just looking to build upon the structure that we put in place this year. I don't know if you want to add to that at all. No, I mean, we've got a formula that works really well, um, but we, now that, Next year will be our fifth year um, doing March Madness. And so it's important to us that each year, while the tenants of the competition or the tenants of the challenge remain recognizable, we keep it fresh and different. Um, I I don't think we touched upon it too much, but this year we decided, um, because we wanted to raise more money, we wanted to set the sights a little higher, we did incentivize through... um, the price points of different gear. Um, We had the happy coincidence of also having a new athletic brand that just rolled out. So um, a lot of athletes are very motivated by Babson gear. (laughs) So um, that that was really helpful for us to have, you know, t-shirts and reusable um, grocery bags. We had a, a hoodie sweatshirt, all for different giving levels. And, you know, I like to use this, um, this one analogy, I have this one, uh, she's a swimming alum and she's ridiculously dedicated to athletics. Um, And swimming we were worried about because we had a coaching changeover, Um, a long-term 30-year coach left and brand new coach. So we were a little worried about swimming anyway. And then when um, this alum heard about the new giving levels, she blasted us and said, this is absolutely ridiculous and this isn't gonna work. And then all of a sudden, um, so we, we made some changes based on her feedback. And then when she actually got into the campaign, she said, I can't believe it. I had to up my donation because I wanted the T-shirt. You really got, you, you got me. And we thought, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it sounds like you guys had a lot of people involved early. And Erin, um, I just want to give you kudos. It sounds like you, you know, ran so much of this. Um, and knowing that you were kind of the point person um, and how big of a you know project this is? How did you assign responsibilities outside of yourself to create that you know team? Well, th- number one, um, I was able to work with the coaches, but Mike got this up and running. So uh, Mike, I don't know how he did everything he did managing the tool and getting all the campaigns live. Because, you know, I was certainly um, haunting all the coaches' offices, but Mike was working directly with our marketing uh, department and with athletics to make sure that this was all up and running. Um, But it really, you know, I think what Mike and I did really well together as a team was divide and conquer. Um, the, The strategies that we needed from the human aspect and the strategies we needed from the electronic aspect were both equally vital to our success. And we, neither one of us could have done both and done it well. So by dividing up those responsibilities, I feel like we were incredibly efficient. You know, we, we knew what we were each doing as part of the campaign at any given time. So when, when we sat down to meet, it would basically be like, Mike, okay, here are the 18 campaigns and this is where we are. And I would say, okay, and here are the 18 coaches and these are the conversations we've had. So that at the end of the day, we were really hand in glove throughout um, and I think that is a, an important reason why we were successful because we just we, we were partnered so efficiently. Yeah, definitely. Just to echo what Aaron had to say, um, you know, my work with Shannon throughout the process was also very helpful. Yeah, Shannon, you rock. Um, you know, in terms of like, I know we had a lot of uh, kind of you know last minute requests or like you know we 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 had a regular check ins as we built mm-hmm. towards launch, but we also changed a few things mm-hmm. and. Shannon was very helpful throughout the process in letting us know what functionality was possible mm-hmm. through the day of giving platform. I think, you know, when we had our first conversation, I think either in late January or early February, we were kind of on the same page with conceptually and how we wanted to use the day of giving mm-hmm. platform and community funded because we had used it successfully for our college-wide giving, giving day, make your mark in November. But yep. um, mm-hmm. we did make some tweaks, like we used the rewards function for those different um, gift incentive items. Yep. Um, you know, there was a lot of different things that we were able to put together um, pretty quickly. And, mm. you know, the support that Shannon provided throughout the process was helpful, too. Yeah. 
Well, Mike, you're a pleasure to work with. <laughs> and Mike, I do want to give you uh, kudos too. It sounds like you handled quite a bit on the promotional side as well, working with marketing and communications. How was that in terms of, um, again, like creating that team and assigning responsibilities? How did you handle that? Um, you know, we have a pretty, we have a, a good working relationship with our colleagues in marketing. So they're familiar with this promotion. So it, it, mm-hmm. there was a little bit of a refresh involved because of the new athletics branding. Mm-hmm. But then it was just kind of looking at, you know, I guess starting out looking where, you know, looking at the site as a template and where mm-hmm. there are opportunities for, to promote it and then mm-hmm. taking the branding and customizing it for, you know, the platform itself and then mm-hmm. plat- um, customizing images for each individual campaign. Mm-hmm. And kind of, it was very turnkey in terms of, you know, from start to finish looking at you know you know the the template that you that community funded provides mm-hmm. and then working our way back and and kind of sharing that with our marketing team and kind of figuring it out from there and um in terms of timing when i know that you were approaching these athletics teams like early on when did marketing communications uh, get involved in this with you guys early yeah i would say we we, we had our first conversations in December yeah and then we um I would say December yeah December's good and like and like Mike said this is you know the the whole concept of March Madness um is not new to us and certainly uh, the language is pretty pat I mean we did make some whole scale changes this year um and the fact that we needed the new uh, I don't know well our our old logo was a cartoonish running beaver I really, I can't even describe this thing. It had feet and everything. Um, <laughs> I'm sure if you go online, you can probably you can find probably it. You can probably see the running beaver, yeah. So this looks a lot cooler than it used to. Um, but, you know, from a marketing perspective, one of the, just to give a plug for community funded, one of the reasons that we were so excited to host it on this platform versus the platform we used last year is this could be tailored directly to the competitive nature of what we were trying to accomplish. And so I I think it was the perfect marriage of good support from athletics, good support from marketing, and the right tool. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um, And I I am curious, you know, in terms of, again, you've been running this for a while, what promotional activities have you guys been doing, and was there anything extra that you guys added this year? So we modified a, a working plan that we had in place mm-hmm. one thing that we we did do with marketing which looking back in hindsight which i think was really important was uh, with any advancement shop there's always push and pull on how many times you want to email your constituents <laughs> we fight that battle very uh uh-huh. almost daily with our marketing department but we were able to basically um have a couple of teaser emails in the mm-hmm. early part of the promotion um, in conjunction with a direct mail piece, which basically yeah. communicated out to our athletics constituents that the challenge is going to be structured a little bit differently this year mm-hmm. with a di- different time frame, but it also had a dual component of people that weren't comfortable giving online or preferred to give through the mail had that option as well. Mm-hmm. And then we also, um, the thing that I think was helpful was we put together a schedule of a kickoff on the first day of the challenge on mm-hmm. March 27th, and then we had a last chance email on the 30th, but we put a placeholder email in the middle of the competition on the 29th, mm-hmm. knowing that we would probably want to use it. So just kind of, yep. we didn't know what we wanted to say because we didn't know how it was gonna go, right. but we kind of planned a contingency and I think that was yeah. important. And I, I just wanna say one thing about that for anybody who's gonna be launching a giving day or any any sort of strategy like this, um, just when we were um, working with our colleagues, again, from our standpoint, knowing our knowing our constituents we knew that the gear was going to be a big deal and so on Wednesday we said we want to send out um, basically an image of some of the gear that people can score when they make gifts of certain sizes and we launched a firestorm in communications they were absolutely insistent that we not do this that the entire email looked like a catalog that there was no way that this was going to work we got 300 gifts that day in response to that email that's awesome wow basically it's i say to any fundraiser who's getting a lot of pushback but if they believe in the strategy believe it and push it because um that the the vp of marketing at the time my uh, our colleague who oversees our advancement projects walked in and said you know they got 300 gifts from one email so 
that was a big win for us. And, you know, like Mike said, giving people the opportunity to give offline was another huge win for us. We got several hundred uh, gifts offline in the mail. And we didn't expect that. I think no. that was more than we had got traditionally in the past. Much more. Um, so it's definitely something we'll probably look at doing again next year, but mm -hmm. also, like, kind of digging a little bit deeper into it, looking at who those people were and, yeah. you know, what uh, inspired them to get yeah. through the mail. The big thing, too, when I – we have a new uh, – athletic director i was able to go back to him after this and say you know what we had 20 gifts that were a thousand dollars and above that was awesome that was such a huge win when we looked at the results we had 500 people who made a second gift to the college that it during this campaign so those are just really interesting stats for us when we think about overall donor behavior um this just really it resonated with a lot of people yeah, and um, I'm curious, you know, it sounds like you guys have direct mail going, you had email going, all, a lot of these in the pre-promotional stage, which is awesome, reaching out beforehand. Were there any other channels that you guys really focused on to drive, or were those really like the two main ones? Social media and peer-to-peer. -peer. So the social media, we worked both with the athletics department as well as the general college social media platforms to promote this. It was on our homepage, on um, our landing page for babson.edu. And then uh, I mentioned those 40 or so individuals. We probably had 100 alums and parents who were suggested by coaches to be advocates, but we had about 40 that were really active. And so throughout the course of the four days, Mike and I were sending them lists of alums that they could reach out to, or um, they were working with the coaches. The coaches sent some of the best emails. Yeah, I think the coach to to The coach alumni, to athlete was awesome. The coach, each program, well, I, I don't know if each program, but a lot of the programs have their own social media yep. accounts. So they promoted it to their alumni mm -hmm. through like their Twitter feeds. Yep. Um, and they we kind of just gave them content that they could personalize as mm -hmm. they chose to make it in their own voice. Yep. Um, one interesting promotional um, venture that our ski program did is they yes. had an event at um, an alumni-run um, business called Mainly Burgers um, in Central Square in Cambridge here in Massachusetts. And I actually went to the event, and they had over 35 um, alumni at the event. They were um, had their laptop out. They were um, collecting donations at the event. Mm -hmm. um, so it was almost like a, you know, the, a reunion of sorts for a lot mm -hmm. of these alums, but there were parents there. Um, they were super into it. And I think that um, the coach of the ski program was absolutely addicted to refreshing the page to see where his program uh, stacked <laughs> yeah. up against the other one. So while as I was there, he just kept refreshing the page. And, uh -huh. But it was a good way to um, get a lot of alumni to give in one setting. Yeah. And um, the owners of the business um, were ski alums themselves, and they were um, thrilled to host the, the group there. So that was another kind of offbeat promotion. Yeah, their their gift, in addition to the event, was actually donating a portion of their proceeds as their personal gift. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, that's awesome. Did you guys have any other events that you um, used, you know, either centrally or that you knew of uh, any other athletics team that held any of those? So we had uh, several of our athletics teams were down in Florida for um, spring break. So what we did was basically work with every coach and individually they would do what they felt was appropriate with what their schedule was. So I know men's baseball, um, they had a small gathering when they were down in Florida. So I know that they pitched it. The athletic director pitched it if there were any other gatherings. Um, the event side of things did not go as as um as much as I had hoped it would. I would have liked to have seen a lot more. For instance, we had tried to do a full alumni and parent gathering down in Florida um, around all these teams being down there, but we just don't have a base of alumni or parents living in Orlando, so <laughs> that didn't go over as well as we would like. Um, but we have talked about doing some things in partnership with our Alumni Friends Network next year um, around March Madness. Uh, you know, one thing we talked about doing um, we had a, a nice little happy coincidence that our men's basketball team won the Division Three National Championship this year, and it was all happening during March Madness. So ironically, that's the team that did not as well as some of the others. We would have thought they would have killed it. But I guess they were too busy watching the games. Yeah, I don't the know. coach might have been a little preoccupied. <laughs> but... Well, no, the coach was a rock star. He, did he, great. Was, he yeah. was still sending out. I couldn't believe how much information he sent out for us. I'm like, dude. Don't you have a team to coach? Yeah, no, <laughs> but... they, they actually did very well. Yeah, um, they got they got sixty four hundred dollars and sixty six donors. But you know that's a that's an eighty five year old program. They could have 
they could have gotten a lot more gifts. So that's something that we want to think about for next year. How do we how do we better partner with the teams that are in season um, and teams that are highly competitive, like men's and women's basketball? They're just that's their high peak time. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like you guys have a lot of moving parts, but is there anything else um, from those promotional strategies, whether it's email, some of these things we've been talking about, that you look forward to kind of adding on next year? I want to add on more to the peer-to-peer. I just really feel like that's a sweet spot for us institutionally. Um, We are getting better and better with our uh, direct outreach, but that peer-to-peer piece, I think if we continue to grow that, people just say yes to other people more than they say yes to the institution. And I think now that we've had four years of March Madness, um, one thing we found, um, I think this was the only year we could do the incentivizing first-time donors because there's just not that many people that haven't made a gift to BAPS and athletics over the course of one of those years. So um, I think getting the peer-to-peer to encourage people to do it each and every year is going to be key for us in growing this. Yeah, and just from a content standpoint, I think one area that we we did this year, but I think I'd like to do more of, was having more of a student voice. Mm. So we tasked each, each coach with recording a video. Yeah. And the, the goal of it wasn't to have a highly polished, slick video. It was more of, along the lines of we want something that's authentic of your, you know, one yeah. of your athletes talking about how gifts mm-hmm. to your program would improve the student-athlete experience. Yeah. We had varying degrees of success with that. I think some did better than others with it. The and swim video. The swim video was really good. The golf video, where our golf program had a, a um, student athlete walking on a treadmill <laughs> with a golf bag, talking about how he was simulating, you know, how to be walking the course, and it was they were creative, but and yeah. some of them, like those were examples of good ones. But I think yeah. we can do more if we give them a little bit more guidance and a yeah. little bit more. Um, you know, headway in yeah. terms of recording it, but... Yeah, but that's one of the things I think Mike's, to his point, we started early with planning, but when we actually got to the nuts and bolts of the campaign creation and the video, I we needed to give them another couple weeks, I think. Yeah. Did you guys have them um, outside of sort of like that outreach? It sounds like you had people sending emails and, you know, that content creation up front. In the stewardship efforts afterwards, did you continue to kind of include... Um, students and staff in any way? The faculty, uh, so from a stewardship perspective, one of the things that we did, um, we did a wrap-up email, um, which had a big thank you, and that had, you've seen it on our landing page, the infographic of what we accomplished. Which was great. Thank you. Marketing did a nice job on that. Um, The other thing that we did was work with our athletics department specifically, because that's who they really want to hear from. So in, in, in addition to thanking everybody and giving them their gift receipts. Um, We shared the full list of donors per sport with every coach and they sent personal emails out to all the donors and the athletic director sent personal uh, letters, handwritten letters to anybody who gave 500 or more through the program. That's amazing. I mean, it sounds like you guys, I'm just so impressed. It sounds like you guys had so many advocates um, lined up for this. And, uh, you know, that's really something that we're looking at, too, disseminating best practice-wise is how to get that buy-in and how to get people involved. And uh, I I am curious, you know, walking it back a little bit, it sounds like, you know, obviously this was a a win-win where they were, you know, they got the benefit of um, having their programs funded and supported and bringing in those um, fans and alumni. but do you think there's any other motivation uh, that really drove them to participate? T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I think that yeah, the the uh, the premium. Oh, do you stuff- mean do you mean the advocates or the donors? <laughs> I think the advocates. You know, you guys, It sounds like you guys had a ton of champions, not only um, on the coach level, but it sounds like you had a lot of people that were really passionate on the athletics level. And I know there was some gear involved, but um, even that swimming example that you had, where that that uh, girl was just so passionate. I'm curious, you know, what you think motivated that and drove that. I think we have the benefit of having a four-year program, and that's really, that's the big deal. When we started this four years ago, and for anybody who's just starting out now, um, because we didn't have the benefit of saying this is what's going to be successful, we just took a chance on this four years ago, and we were able, um, through some great work and some really hard slogging through the first year. Um, We had a woman who worked for me, but she sat up in athletics, 
And she basically went around with lists and sat in coaches' offices um, to the point where they're like, you need to go away. Um, but she just, this is what she did for 30 days. She was she was incessant, and we were able to raise, I think that first year we raised like over $60,000 and over 600 donors, and all of a sudden people took notice and said, oh, interesting. So the year two, um, we raised over 117000 in our second year from, I think, um, a little over 1,000 donors. Our third year, we went gangbusters and brought in over 2,000 donors, but we raised only 87000 So that's when we knew we needed to take a shift. Um, so to your point, the fact that we've raised three hundred fifty grand for athletic programs in four years is great. The other thing is that we had the benefit of success and the benefit of um, leadership buy-in. So that's why the steering committee was so important to us this year. Um, we needed to get coaches, and to be completely candid, we got coaches who were not our biggest fans to sit on the steering committee because if they wanted it, if we wanted their buy-in, we wanted them to have a say. And I think just to add on to that, I think that having the coach buy-in is what would allowed us to get the alumni champion buy-in. Totally so agree. if the coaches weren't involved and invested, the alumni champions wouldn't be invested. It's the coach asking the alum yeah. to do it because they have that pre-existing relationship yeah. that really has allowed them to, um, to, you know, to, to participate and, and get them excited about it. Yep. You know, there are certain alums that we in our office have relationships with just from other programs mm -hmm. but you know the fact that you have a coach you know ask making the ask of someone hey can you reach out to 10 friends on the squad mm -hmm. that's something that we can't replicate as advanced yeah. staff members totally agree yeah and i know i'm walking it back a little bit but i'm again just still so impressed i mean we've had people that we're talking to now that are maybe starting a new program and approaching people and um trying to figure out how to get them to be on those committees um, to really dedicate their time. And uh, was it really just the one-on-one -on -one approach that you think that one-on-one -on -one meeting that pushed them to be um, a part of this? Or what, is there like a, do you guys have a suggestion in terms of how to approach people to really get them to participate at that level? I have a suggestion if I may, and I yeah, know, I know yeah. Mike does too, but um, so you know, let me just talk candidly about our situation. We changed athletic directors. so. The athletic director who was with us last year versus the athletic director who was with us this year, light and day, night and day rather, mm -hmm. and absolutely different approaches. So um, when we started this process, I knew getting the leadership buy-in from the department was absolutely crucial. Um, and he was the one who could set the tone for whether or not his department was going to buy in. And so um, knowing that and knowing that you have to get buy-in from the top first rather than get the general consensus, don't worry about getting everybody on the same page, get the leadership on the same page with you. Um, if we had had to start from the bottom and arrange for all 18 coaches to buy in, never would have been successful. But I had an AD who stood up and said, this is a priority and you, you this is part of your job and I expect you to do it. Um, and then follow through and show them that we're really making it um, as easy and tangible as possible for them, um, but really respecting the time that they put in and being really appreciative, I think we just set the tone for partnership, and that was really key. Yeah, and I just just to add on to that, I think that um, over t like the relationship that we've that and especially Aaron has established with the coaches over time. It's something that has been established over time. When we started doing this four years oh, ago, oh god, they hated us. Um, <laughs> they, they, <laughs> we would, you know, go to meetings and they would literally, you know, it would be like eighteen people staring back at. I would you. rather have had a lobotomy than go to another <laughs> athletic staff meeting a couple years ago. But I, I, <laughs> I think that we've had the benefit of. Um, they've seen. Well, they've seen the benefit of yeah. this. So they've seen. They have four years of. You know, we've seen. We the softball team, you know, really getting involved and in, mm -hmm. they were able to purchase a new pitching machine mm -hmm. after the first year. Yeah. And the other coaches have seen that and they're like, wow, there actually is, you know, a benefit to doing this. Totally. And I think that by, you know, that that experience, getting a couple key, key programs involved in the first couple years has mm -hmm. gotten more, um, it has had a snowball effect. Totally agree. I mean, there are coaches who flat out um, would refuse to work with us in the past because there was some bad blood between departments, you know. There was a time when we said, no, you can't contribute to a, an individual sport. You have to give to an unrestricted fund. And we shot ourselves in the foot. So 
by aligning our campus strategy of increasing participation and working with our finance office to allow us to direct gifts to certain areas of the college, we were able to go in a, with authority to athletics and say, I can help you fundraise for your program. That made all the difference for us. Um, do you think having this kind of historical experience with these different teams, the ones that um, may have been a little harder to work with at the beginning, are now kind of turning around and coming in with new ideas as they know that this new March Madness year is approaching, um, that they're a little bit more apt to uh, give of some time and effort that they m may not have been as inclined to do early on. No question about it. The amount of converse, the amount of, of welcomed conversations that we had, I'm, I can't, it, it, it's literally like night and day. Um, working with the coaches this year, they were generating ideas, they were giving feedback, they were partners. Um, and I, I mean, I did stalk them in their offices quite a bit during March Madness, but they, it, it, they weren't running from me anymore. They were, you know, welcome and they were excited and they, they enjoyed seeing the progress. They loved what the site looked like. They loved how easy it was to share. Um, they just, they felt empowered to be a part of it. And I think that was another key for our success. Yeah, and I would just say like, you know, thinking about people that might be listening to this that are, you know, thinking about how to start out I think it's making it easy for potential volunteers. Mm -hmm. or make, Like, Erin did a great job of making it easy for the coaches to participate. She went to their offices, accommodated their schedules. Um, you know, some of them blew her off the first time, and she rescheduled. <laughs> you know, it's it's not a it, – it, it, it takes kind of um, some, you know, multiple bites at the apple with thick. some people. And some thick skin. And some thick skin. But if you're willing to kind of um, – make it convenient for the people that mm -hmm. can really have a big impact, right. um, it can bear fruit over time. Right, and show them appreciation for the relationships that they have. One of the things that the coaches said to me, and I think um, for anybody who's doing this with any type of affinity, um, people that are outside of our line of work, frankly, do not like to ask for money. Um, and that's something that I think that we have to be very um, cognizant of, because if they don't like it, if they're not comfortable with it, they're not gonna be good at it and they're not going to do it. But if you give them the tools in such a way and talk with them about the fact that it's about their relationship with the program and in, and ask them to join you, it's a very, very different message. And it made our, our coaches much more comfortable. Um, you know, And I, I basically said to them, I'm not necessarily telling you go and ask so-and-so for a $5,000 gift because that would be weird for you and probably not a great experience. But what I am saying is if you leverage your relationships with your community, you're going to find that people are going to want to join you. Totally. And I'm actually curious logistics-wise in terms of the campaigns themselves and um, creating them. It sounds like you had content creation that was coming from some of the students and the teams themselves um, and outreach as well. But in terms of the um, platform and creating campaigns, Mike, was that you kind of just doing that and, and running it centrally? Yeah, so I created all of the campaigns for the programs just so to make it easier for the coaches. Mm -hmm. um, also, to make sure they had a uniform look and feel, right. um, you know, and had have you know some control over it. And it uh, not that we wouldn't trust our coaches to do it, but it, we you know kind of prioritizing where they could be most impactful. Yeah. it was through the outreach and not necessarily spending mm -hmm. their time sitting down and building out a campaign or yeah. teaching them something. So for this instance, and I, half of them were in season. So yeah, so for this, it was just easiest for me to kind of create the campaigns for mm -hmm. you know the programs. You know, I think that obviously you know depending on what kind of um, relationship someone thinking about launching you know, a promotion like this has with the volunteers, they may want to give their volunteer a little bit more ownership, but, you know, knowing our audience and knowing what they'd be comfortable doing, we thought it would be best to just give them something where they could point their constituents to, to make a gift and they could kind of personalize it with creating their own video and, you know, mm -hmm. funding needs and we could drop it in on their behalf. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you guys have done an amazing job of that. We do have people that are in that mode of sussing out um, where responsibilities lie and how to get that authenticity, which I know you guys got from a lot of that outreach that you set up in the beginning and um, participation. And so we have had that sort of push and pull of, um, you know, who does what. 
uh, where does the responsibility lie for certain things? So it's it's cool to hear that you guys have kind of um, created that process where everybody has a comfort level and feels empowered, um, both in the central office and outside with these, you know, this affinity network that is all these very decentralized teams. And I think it was really important for us too when we think about how are we actually going to get this done. Obviously, uh, March Madness is one of the key strategies that we have employed to increase participation and giving, but not everybody is going to share the urgency. Um, so it's it was really important to us to make sure that we were being respectful to the time and energies of the other folks for whom this could help them, but it wasn't going to be their priority. Totally. And I mean, on that note of urgency, I know that, and again, I'm, I'm taking a turn here, but I was just going to um, check in and see in terms of incentives, and this is um, to donors uh, now, what kind of incentives did you guys offer? I, I know that you guys were talking about a matching gift that you've had and kind of sustained. Um, what kind of gamification did you use to get people involved? We really didn't. Um, so no, no gamification necessarily. The incentives were for individuals who made a gift at a certain level. So um, we worked among the IRS guidelines to keep the, the price point beneath the reporting standard of 2.5% of the gift or something like that. So we did um, a dual silicone cell phone sleeve for a $10 gift, a grocery tote for 25 a short sleeve t-shirt for 50 long sleeve t-shirt for 100 um, a hoodie sweatshirt for 250 and a quarter zip um, pullover for 500 And so basically we worked with a company who um, got us to the right price point so that we could keep this underneath the IRS reporting guidelines so that we weren't giving someone that's worth more the value of their gift. And then they, they're actually in the process of fulfilling and mailing out all the thank yous with the gear for us as we speak. Awesome. And, oh, go ahead. Yeah, and where did the um, 10 grand come from? Was that something that, like, was a matching gift outside an outside organization, or? It's uh, Brian Barefoot, our former president. He, he gives $10,000 a year to, for us to leverage against participation during March. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Do you think uh, you'll ever pursue like a matching gift or corporate gift program where you can get those um, different levels, like increase the matching gift level? Potentially. Um, one of the things that I'm um, actually um, in the back of my mind, I was just setting up a meeting with the steering committee to do a debrief. And I was thinking that um, I want to start working now with the coaches to identify a parent or an alum who will contribute five or 10K per sport to use within the individual campaigns as a match. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. Um, when we look at how the, each team did, with the exception of one or two teams, most of them raised just under the $10,000 mark. So I think it'll be really interesting. That's sort of that sweet number for us. And if we were able to do um, like a $10,000 gift per team, we would double the amount of money we raised through March Madness as well. Yeah, it's definitely something that we're seeing people um, kind of pursue now is the incorporation of those bigger gifts and the matching gifts and trying to get um, major givers involved to really amplify sort of the small gifts that come in and, and again, gamify so that people are encouraged to meet a matching threshold. It's actually been a, a big uh, sort of pivot in the giving day um, community. So it's cool to hear that you guys are thinking about that as well well we not only are we thinking about it but i know i'm gonna mike is just i'm just gonna speak for him <laughs> because this is a huge thing that he has been a huge proponent of is we need that match not only for march madness the 10k uh we had dual fears is it enough is it too much um because we didn't we weren't sure how many first-time donors we could get number one and number two we were afraid we could potentially blow through it on the first day if it worked really well um, same thing with Make Your Mark that we do in November. We want a jar, we want a large challenge pool, um, and it's been a it's been an interesting evolution with uh, our conversation with leadership here. But I think we're at a point where they have seen enough exper and experienced enough successful giving days that do have a large match that I think they'll go to bat for us to help us secure it now. Yeah, that's awesome. 
Um, you know, I know you guys had that sweet spot, and it sounds I know that your all of your campaigns did very well. But was there a a particular campaign that you think was uh, very effective out of all the ones that you had, all the teams? I would say skiing did skiing. a lot better than they had in the past. Skiing blew us out of the water. They raised over twelve thousand. I don't think they got more than six hundred last year. Yeah, I think skiing really did a great job, and I think it's a credit to the coach. Absolutely. He did a lot of outreach. He really he targeted really um, first-time donors, or, um, and he was able to get, I think, more than a couple thousand-dollar gifts um, yes, from first-time donors, which is quite an accomplishment. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that that was, that. if I had to highlight one campaign, I would say they did really well. It's also his first year as a head coach. So yeah. the fact that he, wow. was, he was able to do this with, basically when I sat and met with him in the bullpen, he's like, I don't know anybody. <laughs> I said, okay, well, we're going to figure that out. And so, uh, and that's what we did. We introduced him to a bunch of alums through email and he was able to generate a whole ton of excitement. It was really gratifying. And they were also the program that had that mainly burgers event, yeah. which I think was also very creative. Um, totally things so I think that that would be one that I would highlight yep. I, uh, another one just kind of looking at scrolling through really quickly is baseball baseball um, killed it baseball has usually done their fundraising at another point mm -hmm. of this year the baseball coach was on our steering committee was mm -hmm. really invested this year I thought yeah. and gave some really good and honest feedback about yeah. how we could tailor the program yep. so it would best match yep. kind of his um how it would resonate best with his yep. alumni and I mean, the results speak for themselves. They raised over ten thousand dollars and had one hundred and nine donors. So, yeah. I would say those two just jump out really quickly. Yeah. So I think that's a that's a, a component of the buy-in. Yeah. And do you think there was any like it's, it sounds like you know I know the events I know the outreach for the ones that did do well just overall looking at the campaigns are there specific tactics that you think are really crucial to driving that engagement? Coach and volunteer. Yeah, I think it's the peer-to-peer -peer and coach to alumni are the keys. Absolutely. There's no doubt. More so than anything else. Absolutely more so than anything else. It just, it really worked. When the coaches got on board and it was obvious they were on board, and, you know, one of the ones I was most surprised by, um, even though they raise a lot of money each year, hockey, men's hockey, um, I have never seen the coach be that open to having conversations about fundraising. It was it blew me away. And for me, he was my biggest success because I feel like he's been our biggest detractor. <laughs> yeah, and I would just <laughs> I would just say kind of on um, on that same level, um, you know, the when we're in a situation where the our communications through our marketing department, you know, our email blasts, our mm -hmm. social media promotions are reinforcing the communications that the coaches are putting out there mm -hmm. not the only time that alumni are hearing about mm -hmm. the event, they're that much more successful because, um, you know, it's it's something where you're, maybe people get an email when they're busy. They may see a Facebook or right. a, a tweet with, uh, when they're in the middle of doing something. But, you know, having that reinforcement makes it seem like it's a big deal and everyone's yeah. behind this. So having that coach or right. um, alum reinforcing our message yep. helps that much more and don't be afraid to over communicate we didn't get i think we had four opt-outs maybe i mean we, wow. we we were super aggressive with our communications across all the different channels and i think we had four people opt out and i think two of them said i don't know why you keep emailing me i never went to babson so uh, yeah, thank you, data collection. But um, I thought, you know, this is this is something for us that is absolutely mind blowing because we, from the advancement side, have been told time and time and time again, you can't over communicate, you can't over communicate. But we've proven time and time again that when you have a short term urgency of message, you actually can, and it really got people excited. And so, um, if people are are getting pushback that you can't communicate too many times. Tell them to just pull anybody who's done a giving day and find out just how many times they touched people and how few opt-outs they get. Then you, that that proves the point that you in fact can when you have the right platform and the right message. Yeah, and I think that we give them the expectations of when this is taking yeah. place. So it's like this is a week-long thing. You're going to hear a lot about it during this week, and you know that's that's when you're going to hear about it. So people have, like their expectations are set as to you know why they're hearing so much about it. 
Yeah, and it sounds like you guys, um, you know, worked particularly close with not only the timing, but in terms of the ask, I know you were saying earlier that, you know, sometimes outside of that fundraising experience, um, it's hard for people to create and know how to ask um, for money. So was that something where you guys like worked pretty closely with the coaches to craft the messages that they were sending out? We gave them sample messages. We gave them all the tools that they would need to share. Interestingly enough, the ones who were most successful took what we gave them and completely rewrote it in their own voice, and it was awesome. So I think that was something that was really good for our coaches to see, just how well people responded to their messages. Um, When the coaches, all they needed was a little bit of support, and all of a sudden they just... I'm, I'm just, again, I'm going back to the men's ice hockey email. Jamie, I, I never knew he was so eloquent, but what an amazing message he delivered. And it was so specific, and it had such a hockey tone to it. It never, it sounded exactly like Jamie would speak. That authenticity, that worked for the programs that, that rewrote and, and the coaches that shared in their own voices. That's awesome. Don't make it too easy that it sounds generic, you know? but empower them and when they when they took it to the next level it just was so much better yeah that's so interesting we do have um you know people that are trying to make templates and figure out how to do that how to share with people um and so it is incredibly interesting to hear that people uh you know took that and uh made it their own and that was really the driving force yeah definitely um, and, you know, I, I just wanted to kind of wrap up here and say, um, you know, ask a couple of outro questions, you know, looking back at your giving day and, and, and days, what was your favorite part throughout? God, so Aaron just actually had to step out of the room, but I'll answer from my perspective. I would say mm-hmm. that, um, you know, just seeing the activity come in, you know, knowing that all of the work that we had put in, you know, leading up to our March Madness, and then, you know, on day three and day four, seeing that we were at $80,000, $90,000, and there was real activity being generated, and we were seeing that, like, all of our hard work pay off, I would say that would be probably the most satisfying part of it. Um, Also, getting to interact with some of the alumni, you know, I keep mentioning that, that event, but you know, being able to thank the coaches that were doing the outreach and kind of building relationships, that was also most gratifying. So, um, yeah, I would say from my perspective, those are the two things. Erin, um, just step back in. So Sorry could, about that. Um, the joy of having a, a teenager. Um, no, I think from, from my perspective, the most gratifying point was seeing how successful we were despite the major, major risks that we took. Um, we're under fairly intense scrutiny to be increasing alumni participation. And by going from 31 days to four days, like Mike said, we were watching the numbers get closer and closer. We were ahead three percentage points going into March. And by the time we launched March Madness, we were only ahead a point and a half. And I had a, a senior vice president who was literally having heart palpitations saying, this better work, this better work. And I was sitting there thinking, <laughs> oh my God, this better work. Um, and you know, to see that we had you know well over 1,100 donors, to see that we literally had eight gifts that were $1 gifts and every one of them was from a current student. We didn't have any faking. We didn't have anybody trying to, to game the system. These were awesome gifts and really, really um, meaningful to each program. For me, that was amazing. Just literally watching the numbers come up and watching the results, it was very gratifying. Yeah, we have to say from our end too, it was super gratifying <laughs> watching. We're just like, again, so impressed. So, And I, I'm just very impressed talking to you both. Um, you just, you know, you guys have really done some amazing work. I'm excited to share this because um, so many good things. Um, you know, on our end, we're always looking to improve our processes and what we can provide for you. So um, in terms of when you started, um, what are what are some resources that could have helped you, you know, could have helped cut down time or helped you to achieve uh, success? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I'm trying to think back to that time. It seems so long ago when we had our first <laughs> kind of conversations launching it. Um, I've got, I, I, 
while while Mike yeah, thinks yeah, yeah. about it, I'll just say, um, you know, we were with another crowdfunding platform last year, last year before this year, and I will tell you, I'm tremendously pleased with the support that we get. The platform um, doesn't always do exactly what we thought it would, um, but that's not a bad thing because when we say to you, wow, I, we wish we could have this, this, or this, it goes into your product roadmap, and all of a sudden we can do this, this, and this. And I think that's um, it's an incredible partnership that you guys are so responsive. I think the one thing that, and this is less with um, athletics and more with Make Your Mark, the one thing I'd like to see develop out more is the communication tool. Um, I think that that's one thing that um, we, in, in November, kind of pushed the limits of that tool and we had to repurpose a little bit. Um, and so the ability to do more within with the communications tool, um, we haven't explored that with March Madness and I don't think we've done a ton of it with the crowdfunding campaigns that are running on the main page. So it's just a thought as how we, how we make that more effective. And I would say, like, if I had to pick one thing to kind of maybe improve a little bit or just kind of add on to um, the the map functionality, we have a large international base of alumni. Mm -hmm. And if we were able to kind of make that an internationally based map, map I know we've kind of talked about, we talked about this in our Make Your Mark um, yeah. wrap up, but and it's based on US zip code. Um, but if we were able to kind of, you know, figure out a way to make it to have international donors populate, it would, I think, resonate really even more yeah. so with our alumni that are based internationally. Yeah, I love that. And, um, you know, we're also trying to, as we move forward, really create resources um, that go along with the technology that really empower people, whether that's templates or, um, you know, how-tos or anything like that. Is there anything, you know, as you guys move forward and look forward to anything, whether it's Make Your Mark or the next athletics challenge that, would be helpful to have. Mm. I mean, I think that like the templates are helpful. Um, like we mm -hmm. use kind of the spread the word functionality and we have yeah. some text, um, you know, that people can utilize and copy and paste. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if it were maybe like formatted in, in, a, in a way that was, you know, like a file that someone could down. I mean, I don't know, like I'm not, you know, maybe the best, you know, an expert on what's you know the best practices on that front right. but i think that something that maybe presents a little more graphically mm -hmm. might um be helpful i would awesome. say i would say from a crowdfunding standpoint i know we've talked like shannon and i have talked about this and sh sh she's aware of this but we've also talked about being able to customize the suggested gift amount in the crowdfunding platform mm -hmm. from campaign to campaign yeah um we have mm -hmm. like a specific i think we're restricted currently to having one amount universally which mm -hmm. you know works fine but you know for specific instances whether if we're working with a student crowdfunding campaign we may, may want to set that lower mm -hmm. than if we're working with our 50th reunion mm -hmm. so that's a bit or even our graduate class gift had right. asked about having it being custom twenty dollars and 17 cents to match their commencement mm -hmm. year so just things like that might be helpful um yeah. if we were able to have a little more freedom on those fronts no that i agree that's awesome. Yeah, we so appreciate your feedback. Um, we, like I said, we definitely want to continue to improve and provide you with, you know, custom things that are really going to help you continue to do the awesome work that you're doing. Um, I think just my final question would be, you know, with your experience and, and this experience in particular, um, what maybe what's the one piece of advice that you would give to someone that's undertaking this type of fundraising? I would say... Um, don't be afraid to try, start early, and um, you know believe in, in your plan. Because I think that we made some changes, we started planning early, and I mm -hmm. think that we changed things that we weren't sure how they were going to work, but we mm -hmm. had you know stakeholder input in making those changes. Yeah. So while it seemed a little bit dicey at the time, mm -hmm. it worked out, so I would say those would, that would be my advice. And I think I would say um, you will not be effective if you don't have an army of people helping you. Um, and we've seen this with our day of giving. We've seen this with March Madness. We see this when we do our class-based days of giving. If it is completely 
advancement or annual fund staff driven without any other stakeholders, it's not nearly going to have the success that it would if you involved a large number of people. And I understand that's an investment of time, but you get what you pay for. <laughs> and without the buy-in, without you know leadership buy-in, without people who really will get behind it, um, just set your expectations very measured because you'll you'll not be as successful as you would if you build the kind of relationships that we have. I really think that's a key component of why we've been successful. That's awesome. Well, we are, again, just so thrilled um, that you could take the time to talk to us. We really appreciate it. And um, I, I'm really looking forward to sharing this with our team. I think this has been just so valuable in terms of information. So thank you both so much. Our pleasure. Thank, thank you, you guys for, for us. Uh, and thank you for um, all that you do. I, I love this partnership. It's a lot of fun working with yeah, you. Yeah, thank you for all your support. I mean, I can't, again, just echo Aaron, like, all the customer service and feedback is super timely and mm -hmm. you know when we're kind of scrambling in the heat of the moment you know Shannon and Hope we um, feel like you're with us kind of like yeah. just answer at a moment's notice so thank you yeah thanks for being with us oh, oh our pleasure yeah truly <laughs>